Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Just like that, final hour is here, Tuesday edition. Crew is all here as we recap the NFL trade deadline for you, which is now... Uh, been over officially for an hour and then we're about to dive headfirst into the matchup of Tennessee and Georgia number one versus number two and later this hour we'll preview the college football playoff rankings which come out tonight first can I get a ruling from you guys on Maddie on our staff wearing the same Louisville sweatshirt he wore yesterday Maddie please stand up and move over Matt, please display yourself not, not on camera but just for us yeah. but over I made there. a comment about this at Louisville fan huh and he told me about him getting this from a relative of some sort that he's wearing a Louisville sweatshirt. I thought now, it was some is, is the argument that this is some sort of jacket pullover that yeah. he's wearing yeah. and he's wearing different clothes underneath? Is that what we're going yeah. with? I think that's huh. fair. I wouldn't, pull over his car. I, I don't recommend it because there's it's nothing susceptible about this to a critique says, like this, but I think it's here's my take on that. Pa- if it doesn't fair, have barely a, fair. If it doesn't have a zipper. It's not a jacket pullover you wear two days in a row. So uh, a quarter zip is all right? It's part of the outfit. A quarter zip's all right? Two Uh, days in a row? It needs to have a zipper. This is a sweatshirt that he's wearing with, I don't know what he's wearing underneath it because there's nothing popping out underneath it. Show us what you're wearing. Hey, don't move back until we tell you. This is not. Or a collar shirt. This is not. Stay there like a model. Yeah, T-shirt. He's wearing a T-shirt. This is not overwear. Stay there until we tell you This is not outerwear. See what I'm saying? It's not something you put over Another shirt, you could take that off and wear what's Matt, underneath if you it. Stay, if you stand up in front of Paul too much, he's going to add a fourth layer on that he was wearing yesterday and take <laughs> your sweatshirt and use it in here tomorrow. Paul's it's a freezing fan of layers. in here. I mean, it, it, for you, if you guys don't think it's unreasonably cold in here, I don't, I don't know. He wore three layers in here could, yesterday. It is not cold at all to me. Now, uh, look, I'm a, Colin's I, wearing I'll admit, the, the winter I'm, clothes. I'm abnormally hot most of the time, so I go the other direction. So I'm probably not the one to ask. I am not cold in here it's at all. It's so sleeves. unreasonably cold in here. Give me the, the one shot. I'm ready to take it to management. It's so unreasonably cold. These are unfair working conditions. Which management sh- shall you take it to? I, I don't know which management. I, I don't know if I if I go to Fox or I, or if I go to Do you go directly to Roop or do you go to Clay or do you go to Sixth and Peabody management? Oh, I, and can I, I, we follow you with Clay, a camera a when you go to management about this uh, yeah, this complaint? Yeah. Follow me wherever you want. Let's go to Preston during the next break with a camera. You can complain that, to Preston about I, I, it. I go home to thaw off. Preston, afterward. by the way, the manager at Six and Peabody is a solid 6'7", 265 pounds. He's a large man. We're going to take a camera with us to, when Paul goes to complain to Preston about the the. Temperature in what, here. Because he's big, he, he's unavailable to receive uh, a hey, worker you're, complaint? You're the one who said, are you his employee? <laughs> a worker complaint? Are you a 6th and Peabody employee? I, I, I don't know the proper place to go. I think if I go to Fox, Fox would come to 
to uh, Peabody, but they're going to come to you, and, and you guys are all going to be like, "Oh no, it's actually hot in Colin's there." Colin's agreeing with you. Colin's Colin agrees that, that it's cold. unreasonably cold in here. So he's not. You're not the only one. You're not alone on this. I think Brooke agrees you, that it's fine, unreasonably cold. But in I'm here. also. But you guys' staunchness that it's not cold is just ridiculous. I am. I just said I'm abnormally hot most time. If I'm ever cold, it's because I'm ill. Well, Hutton knows this. The one time he's ever seen me cold, I'm pretty sure that I was one of the first COVID patients. In Indianapolis, you had the COVID combine. before COVID had been discovered. I, I think I may have been patient zero you could have. in the United yeah. States. I think I got it in we were Indy lucky not to in get February it of 2020 before Chad all Wuhan. the shutdowns started. That's right. Chad Wuhan. I mean, you take one vacation to Wuhan and, and tour the lab, and then you get COVID. I think you were showing symptoms of COVID while I was berating a, uh, a security person that was a sash and flashlight person. I just, I really want to take this complaint. When you do it, I just want it documented on camera. Wh- whoever you take it to. That's all I ask. For the good of the show, let's make sure we document what, this. What if it's an email exchange? How do we document that? Well, we can, you know, screenshot. Chad, what's going to be your reaction video. when you start sweating in here tomorrow? Well, then Look, that, that, he, that, he probably that, There's an Ill. ability to take it from 60 degrees to 70 degrees. We don't have to go from 60 degrees to, to 80 degrees. Matt, are you cold? Is that why you're wearing no, this? No, why are we asking now? Matt? It's November and we can wear he long it's cold. sleeves. He thinks it's good, cold. Good, good, good job, Matt. So, at times it's cold in here. Matt saying that. And by times he means all times. This is all that I ask of Matt. Just wear a different sweatshirt tomorrow. That's that's my, yeah, my also, one Also, Matt, try to make it. That's uh, a sweatshirt. <laughs> Matt, do you have any sweatshirts from schools with any kind of academic standards? He has Iowa. Iowa's a good right, school. That was better. He's let's worn step the it Iowa up from, jacket let's, before. Let's, let's do this. Let's step it up from Louisville, then Iowa. Now let's go above Iowa. What's the next best school you have above Iowa? I'm going to give you some outkick gear, Matt. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> Paul, by the way, if you don't wear an Ivy League sweatshirt, then he's going to berate you. No, about if you wear an Ivy League excellence. sweatshirt, I'm going to I'm going to say like, yeah, you've, so there's no, you've been to Harvard. What Paul is saying is Matt could literally wear no sweatshirt in here without him catching some sort of hell. Well, I heard you. If he wears a good school, he's like, oh, yeah, you know about that I've school. I've heard you berating. And I can find that. the perfect school for Matt given time. But I heard you earlier berating Louisville. Oh, I didn't I, know that much about Louisville. I, I, I get my whole opinion of Louisville from you. Yeah, my, my, my take on Louisville is I just don't know anything about it academically. It feels like a University of Phoenix With for buildings. athletic departments. Yeah, like there's some buildings. I only know Louisville as an athletic institution. I don't know anyone that's graduated from there that's gone on to great things in the academic world. Uh, I don't see it as a school that's got a great academic standing. I just feel like it's a commuter school for an athletic department. You have a friend who did laundry there. That's a, that's a brand. I think I play sports. They, that's what I'm saying. It's a great sports school, but I, I brought this light up one on the time. School, light on the school. I heard back from someone that said it's a good dental school. <laughs> they have like a good dental hygienist program or dental program, right? Davey's nodding. Davey with his UT knows law, all the best dental Davey with schools. his UT law shirt on. Uh, <laughs> when the U.S. News and World Report comes out, Davey goes right to the dental school rankings, yeah. and he gets those down. Well, everyone's known for something. I guess Louisville's known for their dental school. Like if you say most schools, you can say, oh, they Georgia Tech, good at engineering, right? I mean, you can go down the list of this school is known for some Syracuse, broadcasting. A&M, agriculture. Yes, and mining. Uh, but then when you have Louisville. Basketball. I, I think of Denny Crum. On a good year. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I think of Rick Bettino at Porcini. That's, that's all <laughs> I think geez. about. Which, by the way, I've been there, and it's a terrific, Good. terrific restaurant. Maybe the best Italian meal. Do they I've ever have had. that table like cordoned off? Is it velvet rope? Well, I, I went to, to the bathroom there and took a video. 
We'd and I was request trying it. to Before figure out where it, everything went down. We'd request it, right? We'd say, we'd like the Patino table, please. Yeah, I don't think they like you bringing it up. Uh, it's a very classy place, and it's very family-owned. Well, it wasn't that classy uh, that It, it feels like pe- members of the family are like coming by to you know, uh, tip off your, your uh, t- give you more wine yeah. as they're running through there. I don't know that, I didn't feel comfortable asking. Well, how classy was it that Where's the Patino <laughs> area? <laughs> Excuse me. Can I get the Patino ask, table? Yeah, I got to ask the bus. I asked to take the Joey Freshwater tour. Yeah. Uh, at Innisfree. Innisfree, though, very different vibe from Porcini's, I will say. Having been to Slightly both establishments. Slightly less expensive? Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable Different vibe, asking. but uh, same setup. Maddie, a lot of pressure same on the setup. sweatshirt tomorrow. Get it done. Uh, so 10 trades made today alone. 20 total uh, over the last uh, several days here. Uh, Christian McCaffrey uh, now with the 49ers. You got Bradley Chubb from the Broncos to the Dolphins today. Calvin Ridley, not playing this year, but he's been traded from Atlanta to Jacksonville. Roquan Smith to the Ravens from the Bears. TJ Hawkinson stays in the NFC North. He goes from the Lions to the Vikings. Chase Claypool traded to the Chicago Bears. Kadarius Toney to the Chiefs. Robert Quinn ends up with the Eagles. Naheem Hines today traded from the Colts to the Bills. Uh, Jeff Wilson traded from San Francisco to Miami as a part of the, uh, right after the, the Bradley Chubb deal, they made this, this move. Um, let's see, James Robinson to the Jets. Chase Edmonds to the Broncos. Zach Moss uh, in the exchange for Naheem Hines. He's now with the Indianapolis Colts. Will Jackson, the corner who was going to be released per reports by the commanders, he gets traded about 30 minutes before the deadline to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jacob Martin, pass rusher, and uh, I believe with Temple is where he played in 2017 or 2018. He now is with the Broncos, traded from the Jets. Rashad Fenton, did, was this the official last trade? Rashad yeah, this Fenton. is the last one that I saw. I was about to bring that Rashad one up. Rashad Fenton goes from Kansas City to Atlanta, and this is in exchange for a conditional late-round pick. Yeah, undisclosed draft pick is Kansas what Kansas City's getting a ton of good play from their young secondary. Trent McDuffie has been activated, um, so he's expected to play their first-round corner this coming Sunday night against the Titans. And the Falcons have been banged up at corner with A.J. Terrell and others. And you've got the Falcons who are wanting to solidify some depth there, knowing that currently they're leading their division. Also, Jonathan Hankins from the Raiders to the Cowboys, Robbie Anderson to the Cardinals, Deion Jones from the Falcons to the Browns, and Dean Marlowe from the Falcons to the Bills. That's your 20 trade pack at the deadline. So here's a question I come out of this with based on the Ridley trade, which is a next year trade for Jacksonville. And I know we largely gave Trevor Lawrence a rookie year pass because of the Mm -hmm. urban Meyer fiasco, but he's now played 25 games in the league eight this year, which is traditionally half a season. Now it's a 17 game season this year. Completion percentage, almost 63, 10 touchdowns, six interceptions career. 22 touchdowns, 23 interceptions. His team under him, 5 and 20. When can we start to, to make a judgment? Because he had two really good games at the start, if I'm remembering correctly, and I think they were 2 and 0. Oh. No, they lost to Houston opening week, so maybe they were 2 and 1. No, they didn't. Houston played Indianapolis in the opening week. They were 2 and 0 oh to start. Okay. 
I mean, it's, it feels like 25 games into any other quarterback's mm. career, certainly. They lost the commanders. That was it. Okay. Yeah. Certainly into anybody else's career, a number one quarterback draft pick, yeah. no matter who his coach yeah. was or what kind of situation he was in, we would be declaring judgment 25 games in. And this season, he's had some moments, but he is not on an upward trajectory. Well. He's better. It's better with Peterson, yeah, they're, they're, but he's getting more patience because he's a jag and because there are a lot right. of reasons. But we don't cut guys slack around the league, and he gets cut slack, and it's not good enough. Well, he gets cut slack because of that Urban whole, Meyer. Yeah, but yes. even this year he's getting cut slack, and this year's not been particularly good. I mean, his completion well, the, percentage isn't very good. 10 to 6 touchdown to pick ratio is not very good. Right. That draft class of quarterbacks is not very good. That's helping him. Imagine if there was a, you know, if the fourth quarterback was, was great, he'd be getting killed. So he's got the benefit of some context helping him out. I, got, I, I, I'm with you because it, two things benefit the doubt. Urban Meyer also, he was just thought of as this is the next Andrew Luck in terms of surefire prospect. No signs of that. So you're going to get a little bit more time. It didn't flip the, the, the weight of criticism on him the other way for being such a highly thought of prospect, I think it's somehow given him more patience because people still believe him to be a great NFL starting quarterback prospect, and it's Jacksonville. And I think everyone just looks at Jacksonville and says, well, no one does well there. Well, also the other quarterbacks, Zach Wilson, not good. Trey Lance, not playing. Justin Fields just had two good games after absolutely nothing. Mac Jones, on the downturn, there's nobody else that's doing a damn thing either. And I think that helps. I think it's a, a really strong move, though, by Jacksonville, because if you look at what Chicago did and what Jacksonville did, putting a receiver around their star quarterback and the investment made, keep in mind, like next year's free agent crop of wide receivers is not that deep. So these two teams just made moves instead of signing someone. They've traded for a guy, and then they're likely extending them instead of signing like DJ Chark or, or Randall Cobb. Um, again, like there's Sterling Shepard is going to be an unrestricted well, free agent. Player, really. Nelson Aguilar. It's nothing that compared to what we've seen in recent years. And then in the draft, that so far, I mean, you've got uh, a handful of top talent at wide receiver, and then. It seems as though there's a, a another drop off. If you've got Kirk so. Wrigley, Ridley and a draft pick for him, continue to bolster the line. But I mean, I'm already thinking like, boy, he's got to really have a big year three, and he's not even technically halfway through year two. He's had a remarkable window of patience compared to a get name another number one pick who's uh, a year and a half into his career and we're not issuing uh, a much harsher judgment on Urban Meyer or no Urban Meyer. Boys, I just saw a quote that this falls in the yeah, right department when you read a, a quote and just make a funny face to it and think, yeah, okay, sure. You want people to buy this? Uh, do you want to get into it now or wait until the next segment? No, go ahead. So the story out of Brooklyn with the Nets is that Steve Nash, gone. Something Kevin Durant wanted this offseason and somehow came to an agreement, okay, it's all right if he starts the season. He did. He got They're seven bad. games. He gets fired. Which, And I think this is brilliant for Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, they bring in Emi Adoka from Boston, 
the guy who suspended for the season with the Celtics. The Nets, the Nets investigation over before the Celtics investigation. It's a weird thing that somehow works out well for both sides because I'm reading about the Celtics didn't owe him any money by not firing him. They saved on any legal fees to try to fire him with cause. Plus, they didn't want the investigation to go back on them if you try to fire him with cause. So they just suspended him and essentially told him, if you want to get your agent working on something, go yeah. ahead. We'll let you go. His story's Even about to come out, Even though your property. Though. So they just cut him loose, allow him to leave and be free and go to Brooklyn. And now he can go there and pay no penalty. The Celtics can move forward without him, even though the Celtics are moving forward without a guy who won the Eastern Conference in his one year as the head coach. And the Nets get a guy who won the Eastern Conference in his one year as head coach. That story's going to come out down now, and it's going to make the Nets look bad. No, they're Somebody's going to talk in Boston. Maybe, they but have I mean, puppets if they, at ESPN saying he was only suspended because he was. If there was a white coach, it wouldn't have you know yeah, wouldn't have gone down this way. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Stephen A. Smith is shouting that. From tons of people are defending him, saying that he's he got unfairly treated, and they're on his side on this. Yeah, very weird story either way. Uh, but it, this is what really made me laugh. Sean Marks, who's the general manager of the Brooklyn Nets, just said in a press conference, "Get ready for this, guys." that he received zero input from any of the players and that the players were only, they weren't consulted, they were told before time that they were going to make this move. Yeah, right. Well, they Kevin wanted to Durant, out as it was. Who meddled yeah, all offseason. They already knew what he, he would sign off on. But my, my point is, of course Kevin Durant is talking with the front office and ownership. You can play semantics all you want. He said it's okay. Yeah, we want Adoka. Right. I guarantee you when he was benched by the Celtics, there was a lot of talk from Kevin Durant saying, let's go get this guy instead of the coach that we have right now. Or he might have said it back when he was saying he wanted to Nash out. We want somebody it's, like they have in Boston. It's BS that he received, quote, zero input right. from the no, players. Oh, no doubt. Oh, yeah, Mr. Big Bad Guy here, Sean Mark. No, 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 this was unilateral. <laughs> I made this well, I mean, move and, and I brought no, this guy in. I mean, there's no story that's going to come out. They had a relationship. It was against Boston Celtics policy, and they shelved him for it. Um, it's not like the person he was having a relationship with, uh, you know, complained about it. I think the organization just found out about it. It's a very strange story. I think there might be a little bit story. more to it in terms of his behavior towards woman, women in the organization. That, that's what well, it was whispers about. It was a, I think, subordinate of his was the big violation, uh, but it was a consensual relationship. They right. said that from the beginning. You know, they were very much in a relationship. I don't know if it ended or how it ended or if it continued, uh, but the big violation was it's not just that he didn't say anything about it. He can't do it. It's power. Under their, it's under their organizational chart. You can't. Even if he came forward and said, hey, we're having a relationship, didn't matter. But I did read into it. I'm thinking, it must have been really bad for them to suspend this coach, who was great for an entire season. For that long. But also for them to just say, because we immediately said they're going to have to work out a trade mm -hmm. for them to take their head coach who suspended. No, mm -hmm. no, no. The Celtics said... Wash our hands. Have at it, big boy. You can you can hire him. Go right ahead. We'll let you leave. Because they knew they couldn't fire him with cause. Right. But also, this is me being cynical here, but this is how sports and life works. If you're super talented at your job, typically your employer finds a way to make it work. The Celtics didn't try really hard to make it work here. They suspended him for a season, not the NBA, the Celtics. So what else is going on here? And they suspended him for a season, but they also kind of said, we're not sure we're bringing him back after that season. 
Yeah, it was indefinite. Weird was story really all indefinite. around, but it works out okay for Odoka, who's now going to be the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Well, how, long before, I mean, how long before it goes south It should have been Durant. great for Steve Nash with Durant, who was hand-selected there too, right? Like, well, Paul, exact, to your I point, mean, if there's a lot more to this story, now's the time it, that it could come out. If someone really wanted to bury Udoka, they wait until he gets his next job, and then there's more reporting about what went on in Boston. And that's what, if you're at Brooklyn, you feel, I would think you've done your due diligence, you feel pretty good about what's out there and what, what happened, and you've talked to him and his agent, and you feel confident nothing else is going to come out. And also, we talk a that time and time again. That would force you to fire him right about away. About how weak coaches and GMs are in the league. This is this is weak ownership because the owner said, I'm not doing it, Kevin, basically said to Durant, right? This was a public thing from ownership. I am not firing the coach despite what you say. Seven games into the season, he fires the coach. Wow. You gave the guy seven games for your big stand behind the coach. And they're what, two and five? Yeah, there's no way a team ever would dig out a two and five. So the guys show up, they don't play well, well for the coach that you backed, and you fired him. You did exactly what Durant wanted. I don't watch much NBA at all, especially during football season. I'm not seeing it, so I don't know what they look like. Uh, Dan Dockich is, is tweeting about it constantly, saying it is the, the poorest coach team he's ever seen with, with Nash on the sideline from, from what he's seen from Brooklyn. I don't know. He watches a lot more NBA than me. I just happen to see my that question, tweet from Dan. I, I don't watch it either, but my question is, is it coachable? That, that's my question. It's the poorest coach team he's ever seen, and I defer to Dan on all of that. But are those guys who don't want to play for this guy coachable by this guy? Yeah, it's co- I doubt it. They're coachable if Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant like the coach. Right. Then they'll help out. They don't, so he's got no chance. Yeah, they're not going to play along with a coach they don't believe in. No matter what the owner said. So, I mean, they said this from our very start together. The players run the league no matter what you do. There's no no turning back. Look, from a play standpoint, Steve Nash should have a lot of clout across the NBA. He's a two-time MVP. But Udoka as a coach in one year certainly has more clout than Steve Nash with his one-year track record with Boston. And he was a player in the NBA. But there's a chicken so clock on the, virtually every guy. It's a guy they guy. signed off on, though. To go back to the original quote, give me a break. I didn't confer with players or check with them. But Those players keep you employed. As soon as anything goes bad, there's a ticking clock on virtually every guy. Unless you're in Golden State or in San Antonio or in Miami. How many guys? Five? Eight? Well, how many have true power? I mean, that's right. It's all about one who, hand. Who's your star player? Is that star player bringing success to your to your franchise? And is he with you no matter what? Yeah, and are, and are they going to stick behind you? And then those guys you talked about, Popovich, and I mean, go down the list. It's a short one. Uh, Eric Spolstra. You know, they've been around. They've they've waited it out. They've been around through a lot of good, some Dirt. bad. They've come back around with different players being the core. So they've outlasted it, where they actually have some power. Because they've been through different groups. What's harder to earn in sports than that power of an NBA coach? That is an endurance measured thing, a people person thing, but that's one of the toughest things in sports is to earn power as an NBA coach. I think it can be difficult. I think it could also be one of the easiest things in sports if you have the right personality with the right player. 
it could just work out that you get paired up and you may not be that good of a coach. And the star player loves you and works with you and helps you, and then you could keep a job for a while. How many of those guys are there, though? It seems like fewer and fewer. Coming up, we discuss two good coaches that are going head-to-head this week in Josh Heupel and Kirby Smart, number one versus number two. And we'll discuss the upcoming college football playoff rankings, which will be released tonight. We'll begin to look ahead to Saturday's matchup between the hedges on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up this evening. 7 o'clock Eastern, the college football playoff rankings. The committee will release their first standings as of November 1st. Uh, hard to believe it's already November. Here we go. Don't Mer- like it. Happy holidays, everyone. Time change is coming soon. <laughs> uh, what do you, uh, what's your guys' favorite Thanksgiving <laughs> side? side dish? Yeah. <laughs> Let's start that already. If you're new to us, that is... Uh, contemptible so i saw someone today complaining by the way about christmas music the day after thanksgiving and i'm like that's when you break it out there was a christmas commercial on yesterday i saw there's a lot of halloween commercials Uh, i don't know if that's always been a thing that this many but i feel like it kind of goes into thanksgiving for a short time commercials on television then immediately into christmas right around thanksgiving yeah there were a ton of halloween themed commercials i saw this year anyway the selectors with the college football playoff, they consider these metrics and how they're selecting the top 25. And they'll count it down from 25 to 1, again, 7 o'clock Eastern tonight. Strength of schedule, head-to-head scores, results against teams in the top 25 AP rankings, or now tonight, their own rankings, results against common opponents, and then conference championships. All of those are factored into how we end up with the college football playoff. Conference championship, obviously not a factor at this stage of it. Right. And so based on this criteria, here is our consensus, Outkick 360, college football playoff prediction, where we have the Tennessee Volunteers, number one, when the standings are released tonight. Georgia at number two, Ohio State three, Michigan four, TCU five, and Clemson six. How we deep were, will they go tonight? Six? Top 25. Oh, they do the whole 20, thing. Yeah, 25 down to one. Yeah, yeah. They'll let everyone know where they stand and how much ground they have to, to make up. Um, the only, like, I think the, really the only argument right now, at least to me, is Michigan and TCU. I think we know Tennessee, Georgia, Ohio State, and I would put them in that order. And Michigan, TCU... Based on body of work, you know, we, we saw Michigan destroy Penn State, so that's going to help them. We saw Georgia destroy Oregon, and now Oregon's turned out to be pretty good. That will help them. Body of work, top to bottom, though, guys. The Vols, as of today, based on the criteria I just read off, they're the number one team in the college football playoff. I'm, I'm surprised at the amount of people that have Alabama in that top four. 
ahead of undefeated Michigan, ahead of undefeated TCU, ahead of undefeated Clemson. Yeah. If, if you're going with that, you're doing a, a couple things. You're putting a hell of a lot of stock in a win on the road at Texas by one point, a team that has three losses. You're putting a hell of a lot of stock on a win at Arkansas, who has three losses, and the fact that they lost by three on the road to the number one team in the country right now in Tennessee, which sounds odd that we're giving Alabama credit for a close loss to Tennessee based on this college football playoff ranking if, in fact, they're number one. I think Alabama's great. For the purposes of this list tonight, they should not be in the top four. Those undefeated teams should be ahead of them. Yeah. But, again, that's something to note mentally as we watch these rankings tonight because there are a lot of people that have Bama in the top four ahead of some unbeaten teams. Clemson's resume, they got a nice win over – I mean, looking at the top 20, top 25 teams, they beat Syracuse, they beat NC State. Wake Forest. Wake Forest on the road Mm -hmm. with Wake Forest. That win doesn't look quite as good after Wake Forest gets housed by Louisville and has eight turnovers in the second half this past weekend. TCU's got some good things about their resume. They're putting up a lot of points, but they've got tough parts of their schedule left. I don't know. I just feel like the team that's undefeated in the ACC and the team that's undefeated in the Big 12 should be ranked ahead of those teams until they lose in terms of one-loss teams. Well, as of... They don't need to be ahead of Michigan. I like our list. Tennessee, Georgia, Ohio State, to me, clearly the top three in some order. Clearly. Michigan, to me, pretty clearly number four right now in the Big Ten, being undefeated. Then TCU, then Clemson. And then Bama at seven. Bama being in the top four would be very strange to me. And things shift quickly here. You got one, two playing this weekend. The loser of that drops a little bit. And three and four play in a couple weeks. The loser of that. Keep in mind the committee drops. traditionally, and why I say TCU could fit in at four. And I, I like, again, I. This I'm, is consensus. Right we all agreed on this. TCU, traditionally, they reward close wins in conference against ranked opponents. And so if you're looking for TCU, that's exactly what they do, right? Like they, they pull out that game against Oklahoma State in a classic. And meanwhile, with Michigan, you know, they've got a premier rushing attack, um, but their non-conference schedule is not great. And I'm just comparing the resume. I, but Oklahoma I think, State just got destroyed, which hurts that win. Sure, yeah. But at the time, you know, it goes in their favor, you know, uh, we saw, you know, to counter that, the, the people are going to have Oregon pretty high. Oregon got destroyed by Georgia. Yeah. And they're a pretty good team. So, um, you know, how, the, the Penn State game is interesting because of the way Michigan handled Penn State. And then last week, I mean, Ohio State turned it on the fourth quarter against them. But again, we, we've seen common but opponents between the two. Let's go back to TCU. Paul says, you know, well, it... it Hurts it a little bit because Kansas State blew out Oklahoma State. Okay, they beat Kansas State, too. I mean, TCU yeah. has a win over Kansas State and Oklahoma State. Um, they won at West Virginia in a crazy game. That's a nice win on the road. They won at Kansas when Kansas was still undefeated earlier four, in the four season. Four ranked teams in a row, and they have a top three or four offense right now. Yeah, and at SMU is a d- difficult little non-conference game if you're TCU in that game. It's not all bad in terms of their, their non-conference now, look, they still have Texas Tech this weekend. They go to Austin to face Texas, and they, they go to Baylor. So they're probably going to lose. 
I'm not saying this to bank on TCU losing so they're going to fall out of the top four. So just put them in there just because they can have their little moment in the sun now. They've earned it. With this schedule being undefeated, TCU has earned a spot ahead of, of Bama. I'm not saying they're, they're ahead of those four that we've got up there right, right now right. with Tennessee, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, but they should be ahead of Bama. Same goes for Clemson. And I say all this believing Bama will find their way into the college football playoff by the end of the year. It starts this weekend at LSU, but they're probably going to find their way back in there yeah, because, they're that, Miss coming up. because they're that good. What are the odds this is what we see tonight, do you guys believe? I feel I feel good about I it. I feel pretty good about it, other than the fact that this thing is broadcast on ESPN and they have the rights, and I'm looking at Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler all have Alabama in the top four. So, I mean, well, I'm not saying they have the rankings in front of it them, just depends, but like, they probably can hear some things. So it, it, just, it just depends on what, they're, what the committee is valuing over the other. So if you're valuing strength of schedule and head-to-head scores and close wins against power fives and close wins against in-conference or, again, like... Well, you can't can, value close wins more than you can value big wins. Tennessee's got big wins. That's why they're... One. Yeah, but I'm. We're talking Alabama. Yeah. Um. Chad pointed out the close wins against the the top. You know, the Power Five and and some of the other games. Again, the, I I I, w- I wouldn't have them up top, but it. I also can't tell you how they value that over a different part of the criteria where everything's in play based on this criteria, other than results of the conference championship. Yeah, the only thing that's even remotely hurting Tennessee right now to not be number one is that Pitt has not been as good as we expected after an overtime win. But that was on the road. Yeah. That was a tough game early in the season. They didn't play well. They still won. Uh, but you but have Pitt, Georgia. Pitt's been I mean, bad since To then. me, there's, no, there's really no argument for Georgia right now. One of the two teams is going to lose this weekend. But for Georgia to be number one, that would mean the committee is not looking at results Close wins against uh, Missouri and, and not blowing out Kent State. Yeah, it's, you know, a, it's th- a blowout of Oregon. That, that's their saving grace. But, Oregon uh, but, has been great but since but that blowout loss or- to Georgia. Th- that's fair, but the resume itself for what Tennessee has done compared to Georgia. And again, it's Georgia better. can prove it, and they can be number one a week from now. Point being, this is kind of an easy decision for me with Tennessee number one. There is no close comparison to what Tennessee has done. The meat of their schedule outside of Georgia is over, and they're undefeated. They are 8-0, five top 25 wins. I'm not saying this as a Tennessee guy. I have not heard an argument saying, no, these teams have better wins than Tennessee. Everyone believes that based on it right now. Now, they're going to go to Athens this weekend, and they're an eight-and-a-half-point underdog on the road, but no one's done more than Tennessee right now. Georgia, by the way, Outside of Oregon, great win because mm-hmm. Oregon's been terrific since. They won 49-3 to in that game. At South Carolina, that looks okay now that they crept up in the top 25. They just lost by two scores at home to Missouri. South Carolina's not that great. But that's really it outside of Florida this past weekend on neutral field. Yeah, Th- those, are their, those are their three big wins. Oregon, at South Carolina, and then Florida on a neutral field. If we're going comparing one versus two, Tennessee has beaten Florida, won at Pitt, destroyed LSU on the road, who's now a top 15 team. They beat Bama, 
who a lot of college football analysts have in the top four even after losing to Tennessee. That's the definition of a quality They win. beat Kentucky. a top 20 Kentucky team badly, 44-6. to six. Massacre. I mean, I don't think it's that close. No. In it's terms not, of who's the number one team in this not, first rank. And here's the other good thing. Um, and you could say, oh, they're sitting right there in Nashville in, in the capital of Tennessee, and of course they're saying this. But here, here's the truth. College football needs Tennessee. ESPN needs Tennessee. Something different. Because their college football playoff, according to them, is going to include Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, Alabama. It's the same teams. Yep. It's the same teams except for the Vols up top. So for the conspiracy theorists that are going to say, well, will ESPN and college football playoff, will they really do this? ESPN's guaranteed to have one of those two teams lose this week. And they're sending game day to this. So... I don't buy into the whole, this is a CBS broadcast. No, and it's They not, need it. That college football is better off with Tennessee-Georgia one versus two between the hedges this weekend. And it's something different. I agree with you. That's big. But it's something different in high-flying offense, which is terrific to watch. Yes. I mean, it'd be a different deal somewhat if this was a team that was winning, beating I, everybody 16-3. I also which is say, Chad. not as entertaining to America. Yep. Where Alabama is, right now, we don't have them in the top six. First two out for us, TCU and Clemson. Where Alabama ends up will tell us if the SEC has a prayer of getting three teams in. Right? Because it would take some chaos if they're seventh or eighth. I don't think they'll... I think, to me, Alabama's seven. If we continue this poll, but if they're not, but if they're fifth, if they're higher, you're going to be. If you're a SEC, TCU or Clemson fan, you're going to be upset. Yes, rightfully so because they're not According going anywhere. Because the path to three in the playoff is right there. If we see Bama's logo in this graphic, tomorrow. you know what is so well, strange? You would need Georgia or Tennessee, the loser, to drop substantially, and you would need, <clears throat> excuse me, Ohio State or Michigan, whoever loses that game, to drop substantially. If you're TCU or Clemson, it's not going to happen. They're not going to drop that. Far. Here's what's crazy. If we'd have said this in the preseason, what we're talking about right now, the saving grace for Alabama in this, if they're ranked ahead of Clemson or TCU, mm-hmm. is their close loss to Tennessee. Because if Tennessee opens number one, the argument is they had a great chance to beat the number one team on the road, had a field and goal. they've done nothing but win outside of that in the SEC. So we think that's more impressive than anything TCU or Clemson's done. They so could far totally this year. say that. I won't be surprised if they say that, frankly. But I don't think it's right for this ranking. I, I think don't they either. should be seventh. Coming up, we take a look, our, our, our first glance at uh, topically the smart Tennessee thing, and Georgia. Going back one second, the smart thing for them to do if they want Alabama ultimately to be there is to mm-hmm. put them sixth, right? Clemson's not going to lose, but TCU is going to lose. But they can't ultimately have Alabama in ahead of Clemson if Clemson's undefeated. So then they'd have to do some changing anyway. There can be some craziness at the end of all this. Um, Where it's just random change. But, I mean, we thought we thought we were going to have two unbeatens meet for the SEC championship last year, and Bama lost to A&M. So, I mean, you do have these college football games where you have a – it's a massive upset. And then that allows another team to jump in at the end of the season. But again, college football is so much better off right now. It could be Tennessee, USC. Uh, we could throw Michigan in the mix. It's good to see them back there as well. But you've got all these new logos that we're not used to seeing 
instead of Oregon or Washington and all these other blowouts that are going to happen on uh, the, the worldwide leader on New Year's Eve. This, this four-pack right here of, of some matchups is really good for the semifinal matchups. Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, Michigan, uh, which could end up being Tennessee-Clemson or Tennessee-TCU, however you want to look at it. I mean, I, and by the way, I would love to see a rematch between Bama and Tennessee. I think Tennessee's going to get in regardless of what happens this Saturday. I really do. Yeah. I think they're going to be number one tonight. They're going to lose. They're going to drop to maybe fifth. Yep. They're going to be right there peeking into the top four, and they're going to go blow out the last three opponents, and they're going to be sitting at home SEC championship weekend and allow one of those teams to take another loss, and they're going to slide right into that four spot in the college football playoff with one loss. Let's discuss the two quarterbacks in this head-to-head meeting, Tennessee and Georgia. That's next on OutKick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Quarterback matchup between Tennessee and Georgia and what's likely to be number one versus number two on Saturday. If not, we'll riot tomorrow on the show. That's right. Um, one quarterback's 25 in Stetson Bennett. Hendon Hooker, 24. Uh, one's a Heisman favorite. One has a national championship ring. Um, his fan base, do, do they trust him? I think they do after last year's college football playoff and his performance. But again... Uh, already a championship, a chance to go for a second. Uh, you don't see a head-to-head college football matchup like this with the two quarterbacks. Heisman favorite, returning national championship winner, and an improved offense and the offense for college football. It, and it's intriguing because both teams have plenty of reasons to point to advantages and both teams can point to reasons why they've got to cross their fingers on some of these matchups defensively this week. So much talk about Tennessee's offense. Georgia's offense. Stetson Bennett leads an offense, 41 points per game, 530 yards of total offense. Tennessee's number one in the country at 570 and right at 49.6 now after this last game. Uh, He completes 67% of his passes. He's also rushed for five scores. He hurt Tennessee a year ago with his legs. That's something to watch in this game. A couple of interesting facts I've, I've read about Georgia. They're dead last in the SEC in sacks, which shocks me. Yeah. Nolan Smith is their team leader in sacks with three, and he's out for this game. And for also, the how about this? Um, Kirby Smart, one and nine at Georgia when giving up 30 points, 30 plus points in a game. Can Tennessee get over that 30-point barrier in this one? And are they going to need to go well over that because Georgia's got the offense to play in a shootout as well? That's well, two things to watch. They have the, But it's, just, it, it's fascinating because they have the second-most yards in college football offensively. It's just a different offense, though, in how they go about things. They've got great tight end play. You know, McConkie's a, a possession receiver. Um, you know, it's nothing like the offense we're going to see from the Vols. Both teams know that. 
but they're both very efficient in how they go about things. And yeah, they're they, not both teams trust their quarterback. It, it Stetson Bennett, while he's turning the football over at a much higher rate than Hendon Hooker, comparatively speaking, they allow him to push the issue and press downfield. Um, even though a lot of what they do is up front and a lot of what they do is at the tight end spot. It's not hard to be at a higher rate than Hendon Hooker, right? I mean, he's very safe. Very safe. Oh, he's he's had one interception all year. Um, his efficiency numbers are through the roof, but it's not he's seventy one percent completion percentage and he's got the highest per catch average per reception in football. That's really hard to do. Most of your guys with a high completion percentage are throwing it very short. Yeah. And he's throwing it deep and he's got a high completion percentage. Um it, it's the strength of each team it fascinates me because Georgia's really offensive line running backs, stable of running backs, talent, two uber-talented tight ends. Their receivers are just okay. Mm-hmm. They've got good numbers, but they're, they're not game-breakers. Their fourth-leading receiver is a running back. Yeah, Lad McConkey's a solid college football player, but he's not a great player. Tennessee's got Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, Brew McCoy. They've got studs at receiver that are doing a lot for them. And they have a run game, too. It's a really fun matchup when you start to break down these two teams and what they're going to try to do to each other in this game. I'll also say this about Georgia. Those busts that we saw, even against Alabama, against Kentucky, I don't, I don't expect that to happen with Georgia. I know we've said that all year. How does Tennessee always have guys running wide open? Mm-hmm. I do think Kirby Smart is going to have a better plan to not allow that to happen. Now, there's going to be one-on-one opportunities where Tennessee's going to need to go up and win one-on-one, but it's not going to be someone seven yards past the defensive back. They're going to be in coverage with them. I mean, maybe the seven goes down to three on on the best Tennessee plays. Tennessee, they've run the ball 61 more times than Georgia this season, and they've thrown for more yards on fewer attempts. By the way, Brandon Cooks was nearly traded to the Cowboys. Oh. And the deal fell apart based on 18 million. We're back tomorrow. Don't block the box. Do lock your locks.